All right, we're synced. Just like that. Boom. That was like pro. His claps are getting more enthusiastic as we go. Yeah. We need to get a cutter. Yeah, we do need a cutter. <laughs> like the professionals. Yeah. If we're going to sit here and act like professionals, we've got to. Do we act like we're professionals? Do we? I don't think so. No. Sure. We try. Yeah. 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 Not that hard, though. But, yeah, we got, we're going to do a competition for the intro. Oh I was just told by the marketing team yeah, that we have each have promo codes. Boom. So we got Neville promo code. We got a Brady promo code. We got a Gritty promo code. Yes. We got a Trail promo code. Trail's the only one really though, right? Yeah, Neville's the only one. That's <laughs> the only one that matters. <laughs> so if you're watching this, we're going to see who can get the most signups with their promo code. So whoever you wow. want to type in. If you sign up for Go Hunt Maps, Explore Membership, we'll give you $20 in the Go Hunt Gear Shop. If you sign up for Insider, we're giving you $50 in the Go Hunt Gear Shop. All the, the things. All the things. We're paying you to sign up is what I like to say. Ah. So whatever promo code you want to use, who you want to win. I can't even spell Neville. Folks, gritty. <laughs> gritty. G-R-T-T-Y. Is that with two Ds? <laughs> <laughs> Grit. <laughs> gritty. Uh, so again. Yeah, yeah. Trail's super easy. Yeah, so if you're watching this podcast, promo code, we got Neville, Brady, Gritty, Trail. Yeah, I think if you use Gritty, you get an extra deep discount. Well, I I think it's like I'm the only mule deer hunter here, so (laughs) you guys should just use promo code Brady. There's way more elk hunters. I think we should just really piss off Brady and not give him any. No, just don't use Brady. And then we'll have a podcast (laughs) later. Asking him how pissed he is about getting dead last. What's bugging? What's bugging Brady? Yeah, bring what's bugging right. Brady back. So yeah, nice. we're gonna ha- we're gonna have a little fun with this one, little promo like code contest. But in all seriousness, get in there, check out Go Hunt Maps. A lot of good stuff. It's that time of year. Do some e scouting. Yep. Use our promo code. We're giving you money into the gear shop. Also a great time to take advantage of that and get some new gear. Yep. Starting now. Starting now. And our guest on today is the one and only. <laughs> Brian Call, he's in the house. There's probably some more other. There's hey. other Brian Calls yeah, like that, don't you think? Yeah, it's pretty generic, actually. <laughs> is the promo code Brian Call or is it gritty? It's gritty. Oh. Gritty. <laughs> Just constant you're, confusion. You're trying to confuse <laughs> yes. Oh, man. But, yeah, we've been putting you to work today, huh? Running yeah, it's around. been great. Got to check out the uh, headquarters here, have a little lunch. Uh, but, yeah, it's, all, it's mostly work and a little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. You guys are serious around here. Oh yeah, we There's got no you scheduled from right when you walked in. They're like, "Hey, make sure, yeah. make sure you guys are recording." It's stuff. Chris Porter, man. I felt pounced on mm-hmm. yeah, a little bit. You know, go hunt pounces. Yeah, it was that, but it, it's been good. Yeah, not too bad. Where Where are you from? Cache Valley. Cache Valley, Utah. Utah. How far drive is you drove down here? Right, just about six, seven hours. Yeah, it's a poke. You just wanted to see the country, right? Dude, I hate planes, especially. I mean, let's just be real. You're scared of them. They made us wear masks for years. (laughs) Yeah. Like, like, brutal. I just, no. I don't like, look, you'll find out. I don't like being told what to do. (laughs) See, I don't want to support them because they were trying to tell me what to do. It doesn't matter. My theory is there was a time in the past when, you know, the staff on the plane was there to, like, take care of you. Oh, you want this? You want a little bit of ice in that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Want a little soda? You know, you ask for things. Yeah. Now they walk around acting like they're better than you and you need to just do what they say. I'm yeah. like, what happened where mm-hmm. I pay you? I just don't like the airport in general. The world's I, on a power I trip. I just don't like the airport. The whole process is You guys are crazy. Out. 
I'm all about flying. Give me on a plane. Oh, no way, man. Oh, yeah. In my truck, I'm my own man. Oh, yeah. there you go. Captain of my ship. <laughs> yep. I stop can stop where you want. and take a leak yep. at will. And the older you get, the more often you got to stop, <laughs> Neville. Well, you don't have to take a leak on a plane because it takes you yeah, because ten you times don't faster to because get to the location. Because it's disgusting. You don't want to get up and walk down the aisle to the, the little yeah. you know one room. and then it was, But it wasn't a bad drive at all. Yeah. I liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got here last night, had a little, hung out with the crew, got to meet everybody, had some dinner. I was really impressed with your uh, memorization of everyone's name last night. You really were good at that. Like, you knew everyone at the table. It only took you, like, one and a half tries. Yeah. Well, I I think it's, I think it's important. Um, I, You know how you get introduced to, like, mm-hmm. six people? And yeah. immediately you forgot their yeah, name as soon as you – that's like a – I used to teach uh, early morning seminary mm-hmm. um, for high school kids. Mm-hmm. Did it for a couple of years, and I had like 25, 30 students and each time. And I wanted to make sure that those 15-year-olds, like, I nailed their names, like, mm-hmm. in the first few days. And ever since then, I got a pretty good habit of remembering names. Trying to, anyway. Yeah. I think it's a really good habit to, to repeat their name after they say their name. That's what I always fail. Like, yeah, that's what oh, your trail? And I have to, like, say it right after. Trail, that's pretty correct? easy. That's what they say. <laughs> is the, isn't that the trick? You shake somebody's hands, they say your name, and then you say, say it back. back to them. Yeah, you know, in Japan, I was a missionary in Japan, and when I was there, uh, I would mm-hmm. hang out, and they would say uh, their name, and I'd immediately forget it, you know, uh, yeah. not my language. But you could always say, can you show me your kanji? And then they would, like, on their hand, they'd just do all this stuff with their hand, and you're I didn't know it did. I couldn't read kanji. <laughs> I don't know what I mean. But they'd repeat their name, Brian Call. And I'd be like, oh, that's oh, great. That's, that's an interesting kanji. But it was just because uh-huh. I forgot their name. Yep. And you learn little tricks like that without being offensive, you know. I know you just told me your name. Can you tell me it again? Yeah. You know. I'm yeah. terrible at names. But if you try that and, you know, you say something in the United States like, um, Show me your kanji. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that yeah. tonight. <laughs> tonight we go to dinner. Let me but see you your show kanji. me your but, kanji. But you could say like, oh, how do you spell your name? And they're like, call C A L L. You know, or yeah. Brian. But uh, yeah, doesn't oh, work as well. That is doesn't funny. work as well. Show me your kanji. So yeah. that's like the written scribe stuff. That's how they write. It's yeah, like uh, in Japan, they imported. The symbols, the Chinese symbols, mm-hmm. uh, which are more like a glyph or a picture yeah. that means something. And mm. so uh, it's it's intense. That's what we need. I'm going to be down with that. <laughs> I symbol? like phonetic alphabets. Come on. Yeah. The Brady symbol just be just a mule deer? It's just like a picture. Uh, I like mule. that. Just mule like deer Jesus. Just sound it out. Just like a bifurcated <laughs> ant, just the antler, that nice mule deer silhouette. No, kanji's pictures, and you got to memorize mm-hmm. them all. Oh. Mm. That's just not good. That's cool. Yeah. That's not good. It's hard, hard to remember. It's hard to remember that many symbols. Oh, yeah, that's that picture. That's you. That's oh, why. That's you, bud. It's maybe why they're so smart. You yeah. Know? yeah, probably. No kidding. It seems like there's a smarter way to do it, like A, B, C, D, you know, where you <laughs> just spell things <laughs> <Yeah>. out. <laughs> I don't know about that. I mean, Trail's a pretty easy name. Do you know that's not his real name? Uh-uh. Yeah, Clinton Forest Trail. It's my full name. Mm. Yeah, Trail's my middle name. Is what my parents wanted to call me, but then um, Forest and Clinton are my grandpas on both sides. So he's a long name. Clinton Forest Trail. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. So if you're looking so at a name, your kid, you know, four names is pretty tough. 
Clinton Forest Trail. Were your parents hippies by chance? Everybody says that, yeah. I No, far from it. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just stuck Clinton and Forest and then trail. Actually, I've, yeah, I've told this story before, but when they first moved out to Utah, there was this old cowboy. His name was Boot mm-hmm. Johnson, and he had a boy named Trail, and they liked, liked the name, so it stuck. His name was Boot. Remember that one yeah, guy? Yeah, his name was Boot. Remember that one guy who made fun of your name? He also said Neville's the most punchable face. Oh, yeah. He said, you, he said there's one guy at Go Hunt who is named after a dirt path. That's right. Sleeps in a $1,000 sleeping bag or $2,000 sleeping bag. Yeah, named yeah. after a dirt path. Yeah, then yeah. they really torched me, huh? <laughs> yeah, did you know that trail or Neville is the most punchable face in, in the, the hunting, hunting industry? industry? That's you know what that? they gave me. What do you think? Do you see most his punchable. face? I want to punch him? Hit me. <laughs> I don't see it. Don't like, see uh, <laughs> it's a pretty sweet picture. You should it. see the one they used. He has this. Yeah, big they mud, found they found like mustache. a random picture of me on yeah. the internet. It's one of those like, like I don't even, pages. I don't even know where it came from. Huh? It looked like a DUI picture. <laughs> <laughs> was it? I was just up against the wall and it's black and white. And I'm like, where the hell did they find this picture? How uh, how long have you had a podcast? What's how many years has it been? I started it. January 2015. So you're one of the hunting OGs yeah. in the podcast realm. I think uh, Meat Eater started the same month as no I kidding. did. And then I think I think uh, Jay Scott had started probably four or five months before any okay. of us or something like that. Were you aware of podcasts? Were you listening to other other podcasts? Like what? How'd that start? Um, yes. I had I was a big audiobook listener. Okay. You know, I also have like Audible. The, when Audible came mm-hmm. on, I'm the one of the first customers at Audible. I still have the old OG logins and all that kind of stuff from 20 credits a month. <laughs> um, and I just listened to a lot of audiobooks, did a lot of construction for years. And, but then uh, that just moved into podcasts mm-hmm. over time. And I wondered why are there no hunting podcasts in this space? Because I could find them for CrossFit. Yep. I could find them for business. I could find them for for uh, real estate, whatever, you could pick a topic and you could find some gurus talking about it. And, and I had learned a lot about health and fitness. I, I went on a number of years where I was trying to optimize performance physically. And so I was learning about weightlifting, hiking, running, climbing, diet, exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and between, and the podcasts that had come out were really good. There was a few that I listened to religiously and every day they just had me sucked right in and so I looked in the hunting space because that's something I love and I'm passionate about, and I couldn't find a podcast. Yeah. The, the only one I remember was Bowcast back in the day. Do you remember Bowcast? Guys from, guys from Salt Lake? I was on their podcast way back in the day quite a bit, and that was like around 2010 or 11. Like those yeah. are, That was the only hunting podcast I knew of before. Those all had that feel of uh, – like Trad Geeks was also early like that. Yep. Um, but it kind of had that, I'm in my basement at my mom's house feel, um, not real, like super, Mm -hmm. um, professional. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of just some guys hanging out and putting on headsets. And so I decided, you know, I, I kind of had in my head how I would do it after watching others Mm -hmm. and all these ideas and then topics I wanted to discuss and people I wanted to talk to. And uh, I was at, and I, so in the meantime, I had started filming hunts as well. Well, I had been filming hunts since I was a kid. Like as soon as I, my first V8, like giant cam. Yeah. Kind of like, right. like Neville back oh, yeah. in the day. Oh yeah. VHS. So I was using like 
whatever primitive equipment existed then. And I filmed tons of stuff. And I didn't know how to edit it at all. I didn't really edit anything. We just watched all the crappy home movies and stuff. That went on for a long time. And I started to get better. And I used uh, iMovie came out and yep. Apple and everything. And I was toying around. And I started making movies after each hunt and sharing them with friends. And then I'd write articles or I wrote a book like uh, of our hunt with our photos. I'd do it through like blurb. And I'd put it all together, and then I'd give all my buddies, family members, you know, postseason a, a book every year that had all of our adventures in it. So I really enjoyed that creative and the hunting and documenting it and sharing it. So I started making some film, and, and then um, I found myself with a lot of free time because the job was going so well. I ended up working at home like four days a week and only had to pop in the office every now and then, and... And after a couple of years of that, I was learning pretty, I, I picked up a camera. And I'm like, I'm going to do photography. I'm going to film. I'm going to get better at this stuff. And I got better. I went to full draw film school oh, with yeah. Cody Kellum hmm. and born and raised crew. Oh yeah. I ran into Christy Titus. I ran into Jason Phelps there, hmm. the whole born and raised guys. South Cox was there and, uh, just developed some friendships and, uh, over that crash course weekend and we made some movies commercials ton of stuff toyed around with it and then uh i i went home promptly and made a movie about hunting elk and put it into full draw film tour and the fans loved it i it was the first year that someone beat born and raised for the top film oh that's kind of a cool thing. thing take that born and raised. that's right I'm, I'm, gotcha. I'm texting trent right now <laughs> remember that yeah. one time remember that one time i, I, I beat him i was like yeah first or last because they were like that was like the fourth year i think they had done it or something third third or fourth mm. year and uh so at the same time that's when i'm like you know i should take the skills i've gained over the last couple of years on filming and audio and everything and just start asking questions and having podcasts and so i was at the sport northwest sportsman show mm -hmm. checking out uh my i had a kafaro pack i went in there and i ran into snyder and we we hung out it was great and uh i was like do you want to be on a podcast i've got this podcast show it's great and he's like sure yeah I'm like, yeah, it'll be awesome. He's like, how many people uh, are following your podcast? I'm like, you'll be the first guest. It'll be the first <laughs> But this thing's going to be great. <laughs> it's going like, to be great. Okay, whatever. And, uh, and then within four months, trying to do one show a week, it just took off. Hmm. And then at six months, I went to the trade shows, interviewed a whole bunch of people there, met more people. Um, it took off again. And yeah. I did this thing where... I showed up, I was kind of, I think the OG of this, where I bring my equipment to the show, set up a booth, and then I'd interview anybody I could get to sit in that booth. Right. So I left the ATA show with like 22 podcast episodes with like Eva Shockey, Cameron Ooh. Haynes, uh, you know, I tried to get Luke Bryan on there, mm -hmm. like just people that were cruising yeah. around the show. Released all those shows and... Um, following weekend same thing at western same thing at the next so i ended up with like 60 shows in after but i mean every hour i was booked with some guests i hope you were yes. drinking some like good throat relaxation stuff and talking so much constantly right. it was intense um and then cam and joe rogan popped in at the western and he came over and uh joe was like dude i'm a fan of your show man 
That's you do it all the time. I was like, really? Wow. <laughs> Dang. That's like a good You and John Dudley, yeah. I think you guys are great. And I'm like, do you want to do a podcast? Because the, 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 the yeah. chairs were sitting right, right there. there. Yeah. I said, 15 minutes could change my life. And he's like, yeah, dude. So we sat down. <clears throat> he's like, but only 15 minutes. So him and Cam sat down and Snyder and I sat down and we had a conversation with Joe Rogan and uh, Cameron Haynes. And it was funny. It was, it was great. Like there was some magic happening. No, mm. no doubt. And I, I was like, this is unreal. I kept checking the record button and the oh, yeah. so, so nervous. going <laughs> over Grab that memory and card over and back over. it up. Right yeah. Afterwards. I was like, something's not going to go right. And Rogan, um, was so gracious and um, he was so passionate about hunting, just mm-hmm. getting into it in archery. And he, he was funny, had all these jokes and about hunting. And uh, I was like, I wanted to be really respectful of that 15 minutes. So I started to wrap it up. And Joe's like, oh, no, we're going to stay here for a while. Yeah, he likes a long conversation. <laughs> and I was like, I think what he was hedging his bets, if it was lame, he's going to be <laughs> out, <laughs> yeah. out at 15 minutes. minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but he was having such a uh, good time and it was he could, he recognizes podcast magic when right. he sees it and yeah. it was good. And so we ran for like 45 minutes, I think, huh. which it, his handlers or whatever you call them, like they're the like people. his bodyguards. Gotta it was go. like, yeah. Joe, you know, come on, come on. So, uh, he mentioned it on his show the next day or a day or two later. Plus I published the show that yeah. I put out and, uh, we went from like, 20 we were doing well we were getting like twenty thousand downloads a show or something to a hundred thousand oh, wow. just blew so, up so yeah. that really it's like always you never know who you're going to meet in that circumstance it's going to boost you up like that. i say that all the time you have to put yourself in positions yep. where where magic can happen if i didn't put my look i felt like such an imposter being there at all i, I felt like i didn't i f- uh, i think we all feel that way at times where you just feel like I don't belong here. This mm-hmm. is, this is an, right. I, I'm sitting here putting a booth up at a hunting show, interviewing not, people. Yeah, not really selling anything. I'm like, I'm like a, I felt like a, in a fishbowl. Yeah. Like everyone was staring at me and it's just like <laughs> charge through, pretend like just go. And, uh, and I think that that a lot of times people, because they're worried about what people will think about them, mm-hmm. they, they don't take those chances. But when you do, you never know what might happen. When I asked Joe Rogan to sit down and do a podcast with me, you know, a lot of people wouldn't ask because they don't want to get the no. Yeah. yeah. They, don't, they don't want to feel like, oh, I don't want to bug him. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just like, you got to go for it. Yep, you got to risk it. And, and if he said no, he said no. But he didn't. He <laughs> said yes. Yeah. And, and then he enjoyed it to stay longer than 15 minutes. And then he talked about you afterwards. And then he became a friend after that, te- te- DMing and stuff online and, but 100,000 people overnight. And what was great, though, was I've seen people go on Joe's show <clears throat> before they had something to offer people. And so people run over there to see who is this person. Yeah. But then there's not much there. Mm-hmm. And then they, they leave. I think one of the reasons that I did well was because I had 60 shows or 70 right. shows I had recorded. that People that were really good that people just hadn't heard of because my name wasn't out there and when they joe got my name out but had he come on on when i had seven shows and i hadn't done all that other stuff before i met joe i worked my ass off that whole year leading up to that moment 
And then after that, it just took off. Yeah, it's like the perfect storm. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And so then, then within, within a, about a month and a half of Joe being on my podcast, I quit my job and went full time into the podcast space. Hmm. And was that kind of always the? I mean, I don't no. know. Wasn't the goal? I mean, I, I'm interested to what, what what was what was the motivation initially for you to dive into this space? Was it? I mean, what, what did you think it would become, or did you think it would become anything, or why did you do it? I liked, I liked hunting mm-hmm. and, and sharing my adventures with film and stories. That was it. It was just um, I enjoyed my family and my buddies, Ben and Anthony, their reactions. I liked, I liked documenting our adventures. Right. That was step one, and I just wanted to get better at that thing. Mm-hmm. And then the podcast was like, I want to learn. Like, I'm really curious, yep. and I want to ask the best of the best. You know, I hunt with Ryan Lampers because I, as I looked around and as I grew, I, I'm like, I want to hang out with and hunt with the best. How, how do I – I want to do what they do, so I want to I wanna hunt with them. And I feel like throughout whatever part of my life, um, I have tried to find people that were better than me at things and learn how they do it and that was another part of it i want to put headsets on people and say how do you do this thing that yeah. you are so good at and get their answers and so that was it was just pure f- just hobby mm-hmm. and then um <clears throat> my wife got cancer leading up to and, and she got cancer in 2014 mm-hmm. and uh during 2014 this is before i started the podcast it was, um, you know, it was tough, but I had been filming and meeting everybody and making movies, amateur, you know. And then what happened was um, her last chemo appointment, her, her treatments were in February. So I started the podcast about two months before she finished chemo. Hmm. Um, and uh, really when she got cancer, the six-figure income, yeah. the, the big job, all the savings, the 401k, none of it meant anything to me anymore. Right. None of it. In fact, <clears throat> this was about the same time, you know, I had just, it was December, I think. We were driving down the road, coming home from chemo, and she pointed at this Jeep Rubicon on the side of the road, real shiny, nice Jeep, and she goes, look at that Jeep. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. She goes, man, wouldn't you feel bad if you if I died of cancer? If I died of cancer before you bought me one, <laughs> and she had for years wanted a Jeep, yeah. and I had, we'll get one someday. We'll get one someday. Yeah. Well, that someday was now. Mm-hmm. Right. When she had cancer, I was like, I went and got her that Jeep right o- that month or the next month. Yeah. I was like, That's cool. done. I also was like, the time for life is now. Yeah. It could have been different if she. P- like, n- none of the things that mattered to me before cancer mattered to me after. Yeah, you had a reminder that mortality is, yeah, it's fleeting, right? I mean, and the money didn't matter. Right. I'm like, if I'm poor, mm-hmm. but I do what I love, you know, Gary Vee says, would you rather be smiling in a Camry or crying in a Porsche? Right. right. You know, I'm, I'm pretty dang happy with my lower income now, but my rich lifestyle. Yeah. Like, I get to be the boss and do what I love to do. So that's how it started. And 
I think that's one of the reasons why it did so well too, because I wasn't in it for the money. I yeah. wasn't in it. I didn't need the money. I was well off financially, no yeah. debt. We had done the Dave Ramsey years before we had saved, we had been responsible. So things fell into place. And then all of a sudden I just, um, it, it, something that was like two months before I was like, I'm just not ever going to make this my full-time thing. Two months later, I'm like, I could, I, why wouldn't I? Yeah. The money is there and the lifestyle and, uh, and you genuinely liked it, right? Yeah. I mean, it was, um, it was something, are you a people person? I'm curious. Yes, I have a, I'm, I'm extroverted. <laughs> yeah. I have an extroverted, uh, I'm very outgoing, but you know, in the, those that are familiar, like if you did like a Myers-Briggs test, mm -hmm. I have the ENFP personality, which is like the campaigner. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm the, they consider me the most introverted of the extroverted personalities. Ah, interesting. So th th I'm very uh, extroverted, but then I need lots of yeah. downtime mm -hmm. away from people. A month or so, two months. So I'll That's be why there. Works perfect yeah. That's you. why you go hunting. <laughs> yeah. This so. is all making way more sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those hunting seasons are your time away, right? And then yeah. you, you come back and. And socially, like I enjoy a lot of this kind of social stuff for a while, but then <clears throat> I'll just disappear for a while. Mm -hmm. Where I, and I, I can't help it. Like I don't want to socialize at all. Um, it comes and goes and. You always feel like it's, uh, I feel some level of guilt, like I have mm -hmm. a whole audience and people that are curious about what's going on, and yet I withdraw, and, um, but I think it's just, you know, we're all a little different, and that's how I process things and stay sane. And yeah. You, uh, you've been hunting your whole life then? Like, when did you start hunting? When I was, uh, since I was born, <laughs> my, my, like, my born dad, the rifle. my yeah. mom and dad were, my dad was a bow hunter when I was, I can remember being like five years old mm -hmm. and following him around on the Oregon coast while he's out hunting. I remember this, him shooting deer. And so we did, we did all that. Um, he, and then when I was 12, my dad bought me my first bow, mm -hmm. <clears throat> just a little, you know, fiberglass recurve yep. Larry sportsman center down on McLaughlin Boulevard in Oregon City. And then after that, I was out in the mountains hunting, shooting bows. And my dad was a big time, you know, he had all those early bows that first came out, the compounds, you know, all the different types. Oh, yeah. and, um, he was a gear junkie. Yeah. An early he, one. He did these 3D tournaments mm -hmm. with all the guys at church, and they were all way into bow hunting. And uh, so I did that all through up until about, but when I was 17, 18, I was way into sports in high school, basketball. And mm -hmm. I, I didn't do much in the way of hunting at that point. It was yep. all girls and all sports. Yeah. Um, yep. So. Very similar. I think a lot of people in our space are like that. The more people I talk to, I think a lot of us played sports. Yeah. You know, and, you know, we, we had some sort of competitive, you know, we, it just is what right. did it for us. And then, you know, we got out of high school and it was kind of like, oh, we're not good enough to play D1 yeah. or whatever. <laughs> so, like, what, what wow. now? What, what, yeah. how do we put, how do we, I gotta <laughs> go hunting. Yeah. yeah, how do we push ourselves I mean, and I challenge always, ourselves? I always loved hunting, but there mm -hmm. was that, man, it was the girls, dude. It was less the sports and more the girls. And the sports were 
the mechanism to the girl. <laughs> right. Like, that was yeah. an avenue. You got yeah. to be, you got to be the starting quarterback to get the girl. Right. <laughs> there was like, I mean, I just think it's a hormone thing almost to, for, for, at least for me. Yeah. Uh, I definitely f- focused on that. And, uh, but then got back into hunting. I went on a mission to mm-hmm. Japan, came back and then I got back into hunting, uh, in my early twenties, 23, 24. And, um, and mostly bow hunting. Yeah. Just whatever I could get a tag for, you know, mm-hmm. so you could all in Oregon, we could always get the bow hunting tags. I mean, I had some really crappy bows, uh, back oh, yeah. then and I didn't kill anything for years with a bow. I had, I could kill blacktails on our property, uh, where I grew up and I, I would kill blacktails and tree stands and hunt mm-hmm. out there during the rut and stuff. And they weren't giants, but then I started to kill giants and then I started to, well, giants is relative, but big, mature, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. make big, mature blacktails. And then we would go and hunt elk and uh, rifle hunt. Rosies? Nope. Oh, would Rockies. Go, go east. You we'd go Hell's Canyon. Oh, gotcha. Starkey. We'd go in there with rifles and uh, horses and mm-hmm. kill elk and pack them out. Um, and, uh, but then I got, once I got, once I hit 25, it was all archery all the time in the session after mm-hmm. that. You've yeah. been, you been out of state at this point or still just in Oregon? That's when I started going out going of state. state. Yep. We, uh, we had, we had Lampers on earlier and we were talking to him I mean, he grew up Washington, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of questions with the platform that we have and the insider, the research, you know, and people call in and ask me, you know, often, what, what, what's the deal with Oregon and Washington? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I pitch this question to Lampers. Typically, I tell people, you know, if you're not from Oregon or Washington, then don't apply mm-hmm. in, in either one of those two states because it just seems the cost versus the, you know, the value, the opportunity is, is skewed, right, for a non-resident. Mm-hmm. So what is it like for a resident growing up in Oregon? Was it good, good hunting? I mean, is there you know, an opportunity <coughs> there for a resident? And what about now as a non-resident? It's really a bummer, like growing up there and hunting. I didn't know how bad it was until I went on my first average run-of-the-mill Idaho, Montana, Wyoming type hunts. Right. And all of a sudden I'm like, dude, the hunts in those states that you could get over the counter each year, rivaled the best draw some of the best draw units in oregon because mm-hmm. anthony drew mount emily drew it twice huh. like in a row so he burned like 14 points or something and drew it with his max point holder then he drew it with zero like the next year i felt like that was sort of unfair uh, <laughs> someone didn't erase his points something and his dad drew it too and his dad uh you know had not, so we got to hunt it three years in a row and mount emily is a yeah. great area in oregon so having done that and then we went over the border into montana idaho and had chasing similar bulls and i'm like this is stupid over the counter yeah or general yeah yeah, yeah. it's always and like i always like those guys we talk to who have like multiple you know 10 plus years of antelope points in oregon and they've never yeah. ventured out of state to hunt antelope. Yeah, well, just, they've yeah, always you, dreamed about it you, you know sam davis and we, we, yeah, we, we yep. were hanging out at the at the uh the show and he was talking about wyoming and growing up there and all the hunting he did and I, t- I was like, look, dude, you grew up in Wyoming, okay? So there's a little asterisk next yeah. to all yeah, your success. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, not fair. The motherland. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Oregon was tough. But you know what? I find that everywhere you go, there's 
there's hunting opportunity and you can increase your skill mm-hmm. in every state you're in. My cousin went to Virginia, even in West Virginia, and you can find little pockets to, he was there. He's like, I'm going to hunt whitetails. Yep. That's where I'm at. I hunted, I hunted blacktails. Mm-hmm. They were in our backyard <laughs> and those biz, big, and I, we had acreage, you know, there was like 40, 50 acres that we could chase. And then there was neighboring acreage that we had permission on. So we, we got to chase some nice bucks. Um, and it, it was all right. We, one thing that Oregon offered was opportunity yeah. over the counter elk tag. And there was, there were all 300 and 310 inch bulls, you know, two eighties, two nineties. And, uh, dude, if we killed a 300 inch bull, we were on cloud nine. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So what you're saying is there's, there's opportunity, but there's better opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, Oregon. <laughs> look, I, look I, let's put it this way. Uh, I left Oregon in 2016. <laughs> And I've never had it back to hunt it. Yeah. I feel like you got to shoot a Roosevelt elk, though, at least. Got to yeah, check that too. one off. Got to yeah. go in the jungle. That is on my bucket list. When yeah. are you guys going to go do that? I don't, I don't know, man. It's you, know tough. What, you know what that's like? You just It's just like wandering around, getting rained on, and being cold. And um, and then you shoot like a horse that has little, little antlers. antlers. <laughs> at and, 10 yards. You know, it just... Yeah, big I'm not antler, interested. Big antlers are better. Always big antlers double. are better. Big antlers are better. Write that down. Uh, yeah, yeah. Roosevelt elk. I mean, I really like the mountains, but I also like open terrain. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So I'm not a fan of chasing those things. I think that it's if it's what you got. I did it. I did yeah. it a whole bunch. But um, yeah. Like how thick are we talking? Oh, dude, it's like, thick, like bushwhacking, like really. How do you even get a shot off? Yeah, and blackberry, right? Uh, is that why <laughs> they always shoot them straight on? A yeah, lot of guys, because in you're the just chest. Yeah, because you're calling them in to five yards or five feet. You know, yeah. the first thing just you see of them is when they, the whole yeah, they, they, they poke their head through some ferns and yeah. then right at your end of your you arrow. S- you see, born and raised, yeah. like all their early films and stuff, Angry Spike Productions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, we wa- we grew up watching all those guys, and you rely a lot on calling because you can't glass. Right. So it's a lot of calling and you can get them to come in really close. Like you're not getting some bulls to come within 50 yards of you in some of the open country we hunt. Mm -hmm. You're not going to call them in any closer than that because there's no cover. They circle and they look, you know, but. Yeah. Yeah, And I think given the vegetation up there, I mean, they've got to be within a hundred yards to hear you probably because the way sound travels through that stuff. So, yeah, you know, they're going to pop in right tight just to see you yeah you can get some up and close there you go you know hunting and all that but man i'm a spot and stock guy at heart i like to see him i like to survey my domain (laughs) yep and i like to find that herd that herd that herd that herd then pick the bull i want and spend the next two weeks trying to kill it so you kind of over blacktails now as well i blacktails blacktails are I, if I had a choice between a giant rosy and a giant blacktail, I'd choose a giant blacktail all day long. Uh, I just blacktail will always. I think they're just the way their I think demeanor is. They're the prettiest deer yeah. of all the deer species, by far. Mm-hmm. And they eat really well too. Double throat patches. Mm-hmm. The way they look, their ears aren't giant like those goofy mule deer. Yep. They're just the right proportion. Mm-hmm. They're cooler than white tails. They're like a. They're just cool. Huh. And uh, blacktails don't have the same, they don't have real symmetrical antlers. Like every buck is bizarre or different and unique. Um, and when you get a real heavy old 
old uh, blacktail. Mm-hmm. It's just cool. But the thing with blacktails is there there's some like ninety percent nocturnal, ninety five nocturnal. So they really don't move till let's say November fifth through the fifteenth, or November first to the twentieth. And they only move once or twice in daylight. They've documented blacktails. They literally have shown that they don't wander sometimes more than a hundred yards from from where they they're they're at all day yep. for almost a full year. Jeez, so tight home pretty, range, pretty challenging hunt. And then they only move during the night for most of that. And so, you know, you really have that rut window when they finally break the rules mm-hmm. and they just get stupid. And they get stupid like whitetails. Well, mm-hmm. muleys yeah. too. Yeah. And then that's... Hey, there's no dumber animal on the planet, Brady, than a mule deer that's rutted <laughs> up. Whoa. <laughs> that's a true story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you could call elk dumb when they're running, but there's literally not a dumber animal I don't know. White tails, white tails are, could be dumber. <laughs> white tails could be dumber. White tails are I've, I've had, like, 180-inch buck on a doe, mule deer, literally, like, walk five feet off the end of my running four-wheeler mm-hmm. with me sitting on it with his nose just yeah, right, I've seen right it. near because back. Because they're the king's deer. They're the they're most finished <laughs> deer in the world. I mean, I'm going to walk I'm pretty out sure right this now. has just been settled. <laughs> they, mule deer. Look, the rut is the great equalizer. Yeah. I'm not the best hunter in the world. I need all the help I can get. A, 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 the rut is yeah. a beautiful thing. But but I think black blacktails, though, re, to me, they require – we, they re- they require like 10, 15 days of consecutive sits just to get one, one glimpse for one moment of a mature buck, hmm. and that's per year. And so, and outside of that rut window, you know, at least on the Willamette Valley side, you know, I'm not talking about edge bucks that are up in the mountains and stuff. You can get them moving a little bit more, but I just, that's, it's a big commitment. It's not something to film. Nothing happens. You just yeah, see birds and chipmunks for like are you a week. Sitting, are you sitting in a stand then? Deer stand? I've done both still hunting. Like in the pouring rain during the rut, we'll still hunt. Just, But it's almost the same as tree, tan, tree stand hunting. I move so slow during yeah. a still hunt. I've yeah. only covered 100 yards in four or five hours. Right. I take one step and I'm just standing there. Might as well just stand in front of below a tree. You know, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, I'm so still. But you can, if you think you know where a buck goes, which we, we learned our land. I killed a, one of my best bucks I, I killed just pouring rain. And I just did that still hunt thing. Mm-hmm. And I moved through the woods for, I don't know. I only moved uh, 150 yards maybe mm-hmm. into this little just cut. Real slow. And then there's that buck right where the stove shot. That's what's 40s. interesting about hunting is you start, I mean, I've, I've hunted black tail on Kodiak. Um, which is, you know, different than what yeah. you're, you're explaining. But, I mean, that's the cool thing about hunting in general. And, like, I feel like, you know, the, the, the wider the swath that I've kind of, you know, dipped out into, like, you know, Wyoming mule deer or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, I hear you talking. Like, it doesn't sound fun, but it sounds like something I would like to do once, you know, yes. or, or a try few it, times. Right? Like, I would like to try it. Yeah, yeah I mean, just th- as I hear you describe, like, the topography and the vegetation and the process of that, I mean, it sounds challenging, but in that, I, I'm i interested. Like, I'm. Yeah. that's what's cool about hunting is, like, you know, and I, if, if you've always just hunted your same state, no, you know, nothing wrong with it by any means, but, like, there's so many cool opportunities and species out there whether it's coos deer or blacktail or the thing about blacktail is i I grew up in oregon city a little town called oregon city Mm -hmm. off of redland road and uh went to high school in there and you know we had every now and then we'd see a buck in the headlights of our 
vehicle, you know, driving down our big old dirt road. But I never really, I never saw a buck other than a couple of times. We had does all over, mm-hmm. and we'd see them with fawns and all that. But I just, I never saw a friggin' buck, hmm. ever, a whole time growing up. And I went over to my buddy's house one time, and he had these big old black tails on his wall, and he and I started talking. This is right when game cameras were sort of mm-hmm. invented. You know, this is how old, like where they became more common use. And I'm like, dude, these are nice bucks. And he lives right next to me. And he's like, yeah, I shot them all right here. I'm like, well, you're only like 15 minutes from my house. And he's, he's like, yeah, I mean, they're all over your property. I'm like, no, they're not. It's just <laughs> does. Like, I haven't seen a single buck like this. He's like, oh, they're there. You just, they're just not them. letting you see them. So, um, so I sat a tree stand. Didn't see anything. Hunted for days and days and days, different spots. Then, uh, then the cam- game cameras came out, hmm. and I hung like six of them on the property. Dude, there was some big, big bucks, bucks out there, all at dark. Yeah, all, all at dark. Did you have the old film cameras too? Yeah, film ones? yeah. yeah. I had, I had to go get them all uh, developed. That was, uh, that, that was the most exciting time when you yeah, just get was. that roll. Like, I wonder what's on. You there. only get like <laughs> thirty-five <laughs> photos or something. Yeah. When you were saying you saw all those does, no bucks, and you were trying to figure it out, I was picturing like your dad trying to give you like a biology lesson. <laughs> <on how laughs> I know. My buddy Anthony's like, "Hey, stupid! If there's toes, there's <laughs> there bucks." I'm nice. like, "Yeah, but they're not big." You know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and so he showed me you know, the genetics. I learned a lot. I started putting cameras up, and then as the digital phase came in, I started to find bucks that lived there that were resident. That I huh. and I started patterning them, and then there was bucks. Just like the whitetail guys, I mean, mm-hmm. there would be one buck or two bucks I was after, and I wanted those bucks so bad. I obsessed about them all year round. You give them names? Like yeah, the I stars. gave them all names. What were some names like now for us? Come on, Lefty. Lefty. <laughs> hey, we name bucks in Utah. That's like a thing. You kind of have to. It I love a good name. Of, I love some good deer it names. It just makes it so much easier, easier to describe it. It's like... Well, that one, one with the cheater on the left that has this and that, you have to go through a whole hey, explanation. That's Dozer over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It's way easier to remember. Yeah. And you can text your buddies, hey, I saw Dozer, whatever it is. Well, yeah. and it got real exciting then. I mean, I got obsessed with killing a certain buck. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started to learn way more about animal behavior than mm-hmm. I did when I just went out and hunted. So targeting a specific animal, I think, is just um, – same thing I learned when I started hunting with Ryan Lampers. The, it was blow, blew my mind. We went out to Arizona. We went there with Randy Newberg and crew, and we were we we went out. And I had been there the year before. I shot a Quadamundi with a bow, which is you know epic achievement. Me, I never shot one. never failed. Remember you were t- you were texting me like I I looked at about five of them. I'm like what's that. <laughs> Lampers hasn't pulled it off yet, so I got oh. one up on. Like oh. I had one probably five feet from me. <laughs> you didn't, I just, you didn't know. They're just Grab plain. There's like three of them just playing with each other. See, that's the thing. I'm like, oh, give you a false can sense. You shoot these things. It gives you a false sense of their rarity, because I I can't. There was a lot the year I was there. I haven't seen hardly any since. Huh. Like, and yeah, I've I been trying a, to kill them. I shot a big lone male. Did you? Yeah, they're yeah. cool, cool animals. It's very cool. So, but we went out there and. Ryan uh, glasses. Anyway, he finds a giant coos deer, massive, uh, booner class mm-hmm. coos, and uh, he shows it to me and David Brinker, and he's like, and it's down there rutting this doe. And he's like, I'm gonna go put a stock on it. Cool, we're gonna watch you, you know. So I watch him through the binos and stuff, and 
he goes down the hill, real slow, sneaking, you know, like you do. He gets down there, and he's about 80 yards from this buck, and then he just stops. And the buck is running around with his doe, running around, running around, running around. And there's this little creek, like if you hopped in it and just kind of went up this dried up creek bed, it's kind of soft, there's rock, you close that distance. But no, he just sits there on his butt, just at 80. And for hours. And then we're like, what is he doing? We're like, hey, do, do you not see him there? <laughs> yeah. Did you lose track? Like, we'll help you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like Ryan needs help, you know? And so Ryan... Ryan then backs out as the wind starts to, before the wind changes, he comes up the hill and we're like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what happened? And he's like, I'll come back tomorrow. I was like, you only had to go like another 30 or 40 yards and you would kill that buck. He's like, oh, no, I mean, he needs to come to me. You know, the odds of me getting in range. Like getting so wired. Yeah, and not getting caught in the sound, like most likely he would, it wouldn't work. I'm like, but it, you could have killed him tonight. He's like, I could have, maybe, or most likely I would have blown it. He's like, I'll kill him. If it takes me 14 days, 20 days, I'll kill him. He's a dead buck. Mm-hmm. And we just drove back to the house. And I'm like, you're going to find him again tomorrow? He's like, yep. The next day, he finds him again. The next day, he finds him again. And he'd be on one side of the mountain, then this side of the mountain, and then that side of the mountain. And I'm like, it blew my mind that he had that ability to find the same animal over and over again across a wide range where mm-hmm. they were rutting. Then he figured out some of their behaviors. And then, um, meantime, you know, I'm just, if I see a deer, I go to stalk it. Yep. I just go. Yeah. And then if I blow it, I go find a different one. Yep. And Ryan is over there just not stalking anything day after day, just watching them, seeing what they do, where they go, how they behave. And I sneak down on this deer and I shoot my first coos deer with a bow um i was pretty proud of that like it was my second year chasing coos Mm -hmm. got it with a bow it's an achievement it's a three by three who's with a doe and uh like i'm cruising back to the ranch house the ranchito what what are the i forget what randy calls it um and i'm sitting there and guys roll out and I think the hunting public dudes were there and a few others and they're like congratulations that's so cool and I had fame for about five minutes <laughs> and Ryan in his damn diesel pickup comes rattling in he drops his tailgate and there's a Boone and Crockett coos deer in there <laughs> and all of a sudden all my everyone yeah. left and went over here and I just got completely overshadowed Stole your which thunder. is like the story of my life yeah and uh anyway I was um it was a beautiful buck, and what had happened was he got himself. He knew what they were doing. He knew which way the wind was going. He kind of had a. He got, he did the same thing he did that night before. He got he got into a little c- cut, and he hoped that they would push toward him, and he was probably ninety yards, hundred yards away, and then he just tucked into these little rocks, and he has an uncanny ability to sort of predict where animals will want to go, hmm. you know uncanny like i don't know like when you look at a hill and you could you know his mind is visualizing everything that's going to happen it's 50 50 they could go here they could go here and he's like no it's 80 20 how do you know that like how do you know most of the time sometimes he's wrong and they go the other way Mm -hmm. but he's uncanny accurate Mm -hmm. often and uh it's kind of hard to like figure out how he knew it because I think maybe a lot of it's, he doesn't even know why he knows it. It's just <laughs> instinct, right. you know? Hmm. 
Um, so he got in those little rocks. And then it's funny because the buck he was after um, was rutting the doe and going at it. And they were getting closer and closer. And so he tucked in the rocks. Well, he could hear him coming down, coming down. He had peeked out. He saw a few does and he just laid back there. And then, and he's in a little pinch where they'd have to cross by clo- close. But he knew he'd have to have his bow drawn mm-hmm. um, when he stepped in or they, were, they yeah. would see him. He's too close. I think he was 20 yards. Oh, oh wow. Jeez. And so the doe comes trotting by and blows right past that little opening. And he's in a slit, you know. So he drew his bow back because he knew that buck was going to follow. And he didn't want to have to call or make any sounds like none of us do with a coos deer because yep. then they're locked and loaded. Yeah, alert, man. Can they move? They're so fast. And luckily that buck, da, 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 and then just stopped 20 yards right in front of his drawn arrow. <laughs> he used the force. And <laughs> then he uh, smoked him. And um, it turned out that that buck was as big or bigger than the one he, that he had been watching ten, five minutes earlier. But this buck had come in and right. taken that really? buck's wow. Jeez. Dang. That's and crazy. so it wasn't even the one he was trying to get. You've, uh, you've had the privilege of having – some like pretty good hunting partners so you've been you've been hunting with lampers mm-hmm. you know you've hunted with snyder um like what wh- what's it like i mean what what is a good hunting partner to you i think um what is it about those guys that just like makes them such a great partner they're they're good at their craft they're obsessed with their craft obsessed you know i'll say like i learned how to backpack mm-hmm you know, I learned a lot from, from Snyder. I learned how to shoot a bow. Mm-hmm. Like, before I met him, I couldn't shoot well at all. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I practiced all the time for years in all the wrong ways. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, yeah. So in wrong all practice. All the wrong ways. Just building bad habits. Yeah. yeah. By the time I left, you know, him, I had learned from, like, alpha bow hunting and, and Phil Mendoza. And so I had become a proficient archer. Mm-hmm. Um. I learned how to hunt from with Ryan, with Ryan, like in the back country, like animals that are old. Yeah. You know, like how to find over and over and over again, the same deer and try to kill it. And I started doing that on my own, uh, after meeting Ryan and then finding success, you know, chasing the same buck for 14 days and finally killing yeah. it. It's like, that's kind of where it's at now for me mm-hmm. like it is so rewarding to see a deer just watch him for days on end figuring everything about him yeah and it's like being a sponge when you hunt with other people it's like their tactics yeah. like you can learn so much from just watching someone else hunt i read i was reading uh or i was listening to cam's new book that's what i was just gonna say yeah. i was just gonna ask you on the tail yeah. end of that if you listen to it and something that he says is you it's essentially to be you know good at something or a master something you have to be obsessed and i think that's that's really what they are i mean i never went out of my i mean we I, when i was in colorado i was shooting in the morning at like first light and then then at 10 o'clock and then at noon and then in the afternoon mm-hmm. it was like hey you want to go shoot bows again like yep. we did it four times today yep. um it was obsessive and um i think you know with ryan same thing uh i think what makes i wanted to you know ryan has always been solo Mm-hmm. I mean, partner is not really his style. Yeah. <laughs> Solo is his style. Yeah. yeah. 
So it's more like, Brian, you can come along <laughs> if you can keep up and don't bother me. <laughs> right? Yep. And, and my response was, cool. I want to watch. Yeah. And then take the pieces I can. And that's how I've approached those people. I, you know, they say you become like the five people you hang out mm -hmm. with the most. I really think there's almost, I mean, there's, when you hang out with someone that's good at a craft, you just, you rise to that level. Mm -hmm. With filmmaking, I started following around and working with people that were talented. And then I just, whatever it took, you know, some people, they want to be compensated or they want to, they want to, you know, they want to say, what am I going to get out of this? Da, da, da. I, I'm like, I don't, all on my own dime. I will get myself into a desk next to somebody in some different state just watching that. I promise I'm just going to watch you work. Yeah, to learn. To learn. I'll do whatever it takes to learn, to figure it out. Yeah, it's interesting. Neville and I just shot around this last weekend. We shot the Total Archery Challenge. We shot one day with just kind of us, and we shot okay. Yeah. The next day, he and I shot with Chris B. Yeah. And – we had a much better round. Right. I would say we shot pretty much tens the yeah. entire round. Yeah. I don't know that either of us ever. I mean, I might have missed a ten or two, but like for the most part, we shot tens. You totally upped your game. Right. Completely, and is focused and yeah. just a hundred percent because yeah. we didn't want to look dumb in front yeah. of Chris. And Chris just shoots middle. I mean, yeah. he's yeah. every time lights and, out. So yeah. you, is you downgrading me right now then? Because I was, <laughs> yeah. I was with the first yeah, group. You yeah, it was. <laughs> we didn't care. We were just yeah. like, ah, it's just Brady. It's Brady. But it is interesting. You're, I, you're right. There's something to that. I mean, there was definitely like a, t a temperature change. I mean, my mm -hmm. focus was better. My form was better. I just, you know, you want to yeah. rise to. It's even sports. Like, you want to play against the best. Mm -hmm. I don't want to go practice with people I can just dominate all the time. I'm not getting better that way. Yeah, so many times my kid yeah. will play a team, and I'm like, we are just barely beating this team, but we are so much better than this mm -hmm. team. We just play to the level you yep. know and then right. the next week we'll play another team that's way better and we're right there i think it's the same with business yeah with, with all aspects of life you talk that's a perfect example the total archery challenge you know i was shooting in a group and brad hunt was with me and brad was busy chit-chatting and hanging out and being social so was i but when brad came up to the target he just would talk 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 boom just autopilot right, mm -hmm. right. And, and he'd shoot a shot that was that reflected that and sometimes he'd focus and just nail it in and because he's quite capable yeah it was all about his focus and for me hanging out with good archers it's like every time they loose an arrow it's perfect or they don't shoot it mm -hmm. and instilling that habit in myself was something that i'm like i'm not shooting like if, if I pull up and I'm not concentrating, usually I just let down. Yeah. And I try to make sure that if I'm going to shoot ever, I'm going to shoot the best shot I think I can possibly make. Yeah, and that, I mean, that rolls into making a stock on an animal. If it's not the right stock, if the wind isn't just right, you know, if that animal is in a position, you know, don't, just like you're saying with Ryan, that example you used yeah. on Kuzder, don't make it, you know hold off. I mean, it, it takes so much patience and just, you know, willpower to let that arrow down instead of dump it. Right. It does. Because your brain oh. wants you to dump that arrow so Shoot. bad you're getting long and you're falling out of your peep. It's like, ah, I could just dump <laughs> this arrow. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. It, it takes we, a lot of willpower to just let that down, you know, and, and kind of re recoup and try to I'm going to put a film out here soon of, uh, of, a. Uh, 
elk hunt where Ryan shoots a bull like at five, six feet, ten feet or something. Mm-hmm. And it's it's going to be an, it's it's an interesting, I think, lesson in in hunting. I think most people they shoot too soon. Oh, for sure. They we were just talking about this. You know, get they in the moment. they get in the moment and and they take that forty yard shot instead of the twenty yard shot that's about to, to happen. present yeah. to happen because they're they just are too too impatient, too eager. And I, I think it's the case with with uh shooting arrows, all that kind of stuff. Stocks. Mm-hmm. Um it's that discipline that yeah. they, that's not there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It only comes from experience too. Be putting yourself there all the time and learning from your mistakes before. Like I don't want that to happen. I'm gonna do my thing. If it doesn't work, back out, redo it's, it again. It's have the confidence to kill the next day. Yeah, I think it's ninety five percent mental and five percent skill. Like honestly, for years I could always sneak up to a certain level on animals. Oh, yeah. I had the will and the hard work, but I didn't finish. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And it wasn't until uh I got more discipline and it wasn't until I was like truly and honestly ready to let an animal walk or escape rather than take a subpar shot. Mm-hmm. Once I started doing that, all of a sudden I started putting animals on the ground. But f- for a long time, I was, if I had a shot, I, I was more anxious to get the shot and to say I had a shot yep. to myself than I was to actually wait for a shot that was a guarantee. Yeah. Or yeah. more, nothing's a guarantee, yeah. but you know what I mean. Yeah, right. you, al- you always think you have less time than you have. I mean, you you get in there tight, and as soon as that animal is even remotely close to a position where you think you might get a shot, I mean, yeah. guys are, you know, pulling their bow back and letting go, it go, rip. Go, and as soon as the, yeah. you know, as soon as that housing hits the side of the animal, it's yeah. like, let's get rid of this. And I think you're right. I just think, I don't know, you put so much into, uh, you know, effort and dreaming of that you want that moment so bad yeah that you kind of mentally just lose it i mean i've been there i've, d- I've oh done man. that i remember doing mm-hmm. it i'm getting better at it but like i remember yeah. early I still on. do it yeah. yeah like that's the mental part i'm talking about mm-hmm. like that 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 is the part of the game that i think keeps us coming back and is yeah. what we're all trying to overcome yeah you don't ever want it to go away no because yeah, I mean, then it would suck well, I, it wouldn't I mean, suck, but it wouldn't be like those yeah. moments are what you're there for, right? right? It's that intensity, it's the the ability and the satisfaction that you feel from being able to keep your shit together and make that happen. Yep. I think it's in your I think it's I think it's so much more complex than we realize in in your DNA. Mm-hmm. You know, there is something about being in bow range on a a deer that's you know, a giant deer that you've worked so hard to get to, but I think, you know, you're so present nothing else enters your mind you're not thinking about emails the the wife you're not thinking about anything like everything is is that rock gonna slide if i even shift one Mm -hmm. quarter you hear every sound you see you're a heightened alert you're everything is so switched on and the adrenaline is so high in a way in a way that that you can't seem to recreate Uh, because because you will you will you will suck wind sweat get be miserable, hungry, all this stuff for 12 days straight for one close encounter. And I love that. And that so adrenaline much. can last for 
a minute, three minutes, ten minutes, or two hours right. sometimes. And then it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, your I think whole season was dedicated to that moment. I think that the, the, you, you put it real well. I mean, I, when else in your life, like especially in this day and age with computers and phones and TVs and, you know, cars and everything else that you have going on in your life, do you have the opportunity to just focus on trying to accomplish one task? Right. And it's – It's a flow state. Yeah, it's flow that's state. I think that's it, and I think your body says – we need to get back into that state, whatever that euphoric state yeah. is. Your 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 mind and soul is like it it wants it back. Oh, you need man. more for yeah. sure. And it that's keep, why we got to try to go as hunting as much as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's for you, Porter. That's for you, Chris Porter. <laughs> I need the flow state. I, we need flow like state. Like I need water. Seriously, <laughs> write that down. I'm dying. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's just such a. Uh, it's a powerful mover because I often wonder people who are late to hunting, you know, mm-hmm. they have a late onset, adult onset hunting, yep. you know, and they, they're out and about and they're doing their thing all these years. And then they discover hunting, they go out and then they do it. And they're like, this did something to me. Mm-hmm. I take it for granted because I've had it since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I've got to taste it and feel it. But let's say you never hunted an animal your whole life. You never hunted at all. And all of a sudden you're like Joe Rogan. And you're popping out there with a bow and you're chasing elk for the first time and you're drawing your bow, but like the hunting, you must have such a clearer image of the contrast life without it, life with it than we do, because I just had it for as long as I can yeah, remember. Long, yeah. I can't remember when it wasn't there. And so I, t- I think we take it for granted, uh, how alluring the pull is. Why do you, why do you like Navy SEALs and ex-Special Forces and ex-X Game athletes and so forth that do crazy adrenaline junkie type stuff or, or just dangerous things in, in, you know, in the defense of our nation and so on? They come back from these things and they, they gravitate toward hunting and it becomes that thing that they live for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's something in it. I don't know. I mean, I think it's all the things that we've talked about. I I think it's like an innate in humans to this, you know, to to hunt. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't know anybody that hasn't tried it that just doesn't get that same feeling. I mean, I've got a brother that uh, hasn't hunted since he was a kid, and he's never actually killed a big game animal. Um, he hunted us when you know he's my older brother, but he he uh, would hunt with us when I was a kid. But um, he texted me a few months ago and was like. Hey, I was just scrolling through YouTube, and he's like, I saw, you know, this Go Hunt original, and I clicked on it, and I got to watch you hunt caribou in Alaska, and he's like, I don't know, you know, what the the intent of that film was, but whatever it was, it worked, because, like, now I want to go hunting. He's hooked. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> hooked. And I, yeah, and I was like, okay, so we, you know, we put the, together a hunt, but, I mean, he's he's super excited that, but I, I'm, uh, I'm just so excited to, to get to experience that with him, to just, oh, yeah. just because I know he's going to feel it. I know what it's meant to me. I know what that feeling, I mean, the exact feeling you're talking about to just be so focused on doing one thing and it's just one thing. And then on the flip side of that, like that sense of satisfaction, it's so overwhelming when that goes the way mm-hmm. it's supposed to. And you hold your mental, you know, you you make that shot, you make it count, you make a quick eth- ethical one shot kill and that animal goes down and it's like, th- it, it's even better if it's something that you've scouted for. Yeah. Like when you talk about hunting one animal, I mm-hmm. mean, those for me are the like, the epitome of hunting. Mm. Yeah. I think there's a testosterone boost or something yeah. that comes yeah. off of I don't these know trips. What it is, but it's <laughs> something uh yeah. 
sucks you in. I know the, that. My uh, the first film I produced was with my buddy Anthony. We went to high school together. Um, we're still close, dear friends. And I filmed his dad in his mid sixties shoot his first bull with a bow. Hmm. And uh, in that film, he said, "You know, my dad and I were really different. We don't have a lot in common. We really don't." Like, we're opposites of each other. Kind of getting on each other's nerves even, hmm. you know. He's like, but hunting, hunting, hunting is the vehicle that, that we use to bond and to be together. Mm -hmm. Hunting is the vehicle that has helped them be a close father and son. That's the one thing that they really relate to and are on the same page with and that they can then grow. And I think shared suffering bonds people more oh, than anything sure. on the planet. Oh, yeah. That's how you get to know somebody real quick. That's yeah. right. And there's something, it's just like uh, when I would do these grueling CrossFit workouts with certain friends, those people suffered right alongside me with these hard things we did week after week, day after day. And they became, there's something about that endeavor, cheering each other on, helping each other through it, and both relating to the pain that brings you closer. And the same thing with guys that you hunt with mm -hmm. when you do crazy hunts like i feel closer to brady and pedro because we hunted together yep. period the end it's always going to be there now you're not going to have that without sharing that pain and i think you and ryan probably are even closer because you oh, guys yeah. did some because they were cuddling at night because <laughs> they were in the same because <laughs> they were big spoon would, little spoon Brett, brady got to experience what i try to avoid yeah we would so many times go down the mountain and then glass and all of a sudden there'd be a bear back up the mountain where it just came from like do we want to go four miles back up there getting elevation we're both look at you like game on let's go yeah turn around and go do the same thing again suffer and go back again do next day and Drop 2,000 feet, climb 2,000 When Ryan hasn't tagged out, when he's not successful, every day he's not successful, the hiking increases oh, yeah. tenfold. He, gets, he yeah. just gets more he gets and more angsty, huh? angsty, and he just he's, – he's Angry hiking. Angry hiking, <laughs> and he hikes. So I don't like him to not <laughs> – <laughs> you want him to take out early seven eight nine if he gets more and you more wanna, manic you want and that you, tag fill then you're like doing crazy stuff like there's nothing in this basin we're gonna hike nine miles in the dark to the next thing so we can be there at first light and it's like all right right um but he's obsessed he's obsessed he mm -hmm. finds them you yep. know yeah, for obsessed sure with his craft obsessed which yeah. is good because you know it it Anybody, I love being around people who are obsessed. Um, it brings the best out of you. Yeah. It just literally does. It pushes you. I look at Cam running m m ultras and marathons on the daily. I think he's running one today. I'm like, dude, <laughs> what the Brian, yeah. you, you are slacking. Yeah. Right? Right. <laughs> um, we need those people to oh, yeah. help us question and to motivate us. It's It's a special thing. Yeah. Yeah, to motivate. I think nowadays it's it seems like it's a lot of people like trying to hate. Like, oh, you don't need to do this. You, you don't need to run that much to be a good hunter and all that shit. It's like, how about you just look at it the other way? Like, yeah, maybe yeah. this will help me out. Maybe what they're doing is kind of badass and hard and tough. Did Kobe Bryant have to wake up at 2 a.m. Right. to go shoot baskets and shoot baskets again? No, but he did because he wanted to freaking win. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you can to do to put yourself in that position. Yeah. If you listen to Cam's book, he says something like, uh, you know, do you have to do those things? But he says no. But he started to think about what it would look like if he did. 
And I think that, I don't know, I thought that was interesting mm -hmm. and, and it resonated with me. You know, do you have to do these things? No, but what would it look like if you were willing to sacrifice, you know? And he'll be the first one to tell you, don't do it like me. Just yeah, do, do, it, do it for you. Just yeah. do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Remember years ago, I was hanging out with him and we had just done a workout together and we were getting breakfast and, and uh, I was hanging out with Cameron Haynes. It was pretty cool. Uh, he grew up in my neck of the woods there in Oregon and, we were talking and he was, he was just describing, um, you know, I was, I was really active in CrossFit. I had good numbers, speed, time. Like it was my passion. I mean, I love climbing rope and <laughs> doing rings and handstand walks. And like, I just nerded out on all the gymnastics type stuff and the heavy lifts. That's my thing. Um, do I want to run a marathon? No. But do I want to, you know, sling weights and do CrossFit stuff all day long? That is my, <laughs> like, that is just, to me, fun. And Dan Staten was there mm -hmm. with us. And Dan's like, yeah, same thing. Like, CrossFit's his, like, one of those fun things he wanted to, to do. And, you know, the, the, the gist of what Cam was saying was, I don't – do whatever you like. Don't do what I like. Mm -hmm. Do what you like, but do something. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. And um, I think, I think, people are uncomfortable when they're around. When they're around individuals who win, hmm. um, some are inspired mm -hmm. because they want to figure it out, yeah. and they they're trying. But you have those that have, at one point or another, they're weak, and they're like they—they've decided that where they're at in life isn't their is isn't their fault, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, where you're at in life, you're there because s you cheated or yeah. somebody gave you something, yeah. right? Um, yeah. uh, it's a funny, funny perspective. Some people. Well, uh, there's so many quotes in the book, especially where he's like, "Where it's basically." Um, by basically winners, um, you're going to get hated on. That's, that's part of winning. Yeah. It's a great book. I mean, for anybody listening, if you haven't listened to it or read it, I would, I mean, I, I I'm not a Cameron Haynes. I wouldn't say I was a fan prior to, I mean, I was a fan. I read, you know, yeah. backcountry bow hunting. I bought that book straight mm -hmm. away. I read that thing cover to cover multiple times and, and I followed along with Cam, um, but, you know, just from a distance, I, haven't, I wouldn't say I was like a super fan or yeah. anything like that. And then when the book came out, I was kind of like, yeah, I want to check that out and read it just because I see what, it, you know, see what he's about, what he's got going on in it. But I would say even from for me, from somebody who was like, you know, a little bit skeptical, I'm skeptic by yeah. nature. I'm skeptic of like pretty much everything. Right. Yeah. I just by nature. But I would say it's, it's one of the better reads I've, I've read in a really long time. And I, I'm probably, what, two times through it at this point. It's and I would say if, if you're listening, it would behoove you to read it. <laughs> Dude, you'll, you'll get something Whether you're out of a it. fan of Cam or not, he's a freak. Yeah, yeah. He's a freak, and yeah. so is Goggins. They're yeah. freaks. Yeah, and, and he, he uses the word undeniable, it. be undeniable, and he is. I mean, no matter what you think of that guy, he's he is undeniable. I just I just think it's fascinating to, to be around me, people like that. Yeah, me too. It's, it's, he's an interesting guy for sure. First motivating. of all, he's like 52 yeah. or 3 or something. <laughs> yep. Dude, you I don't crazy. understand. Like, I try to be a badass fit guy. And maybe I'm just too weak. That's the problem, you know? <laughs> Not reaching your potential. But I'm like, uh, I'm, I, 
I leave those I, after I read you can't you can't hurt me uh, mm-hmm. by Goggins and stuff. Yep. All that stuff just again makes me think kind of what Cam says. What what would it look like mm-hmm. if I did all these things? If I tried to accomplish mm-hmm. this level, and uh, the reality is, I'm no young spring chicken, and neither is Ryan. We both talk about it all the time. Like, we want to do this for years and years and years to come. And we want to show older guys that you can do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it does take, like, we eat careful. We exercise. We take the right kind of supplements. Yep. We we work hard at, at, like, my buddies, they're busy eating hamburgers and fries and ice cream. Look, it tastes good, but it it doesn't feel good. Yeah, right. and uh, it takes. I'm just saying, it takes a, a, an incredible level of discipline to age well. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, that that's well said. It's a, it's a deep level of discipline. Is it, I was listening to a podcast. I don't know if it was a podcast or a video that you you mentioned Dan Staten, but he was talking specifically about diet, and uh, he said at one point. He said, you know, you're, you get into your, your 30s, your 40s, um, you can't eat junk. You can't eat like maybe you did when you were, you know, a teenager. Yeah. And something he said that I thought was interesting, he said, it's time to grow up. It's time to be an adult. You've, you've had your fun. Yep, you ate honest. the junk food. Yep. You ate the burgers and the fries and all the things that you ever wanted. But if you want to do this and you want to age well, it's time to grow up. Mm-hmm. And like I think about that a lot. I think, ah, hmm, am I an adult? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how about how much of an adult am I here? I think uh, Thomas Sowell says there's no solutions. There's just uh, alternatives or something like that. His whole point was, um, or was it? There's, there's, uh, yeah. There's just like two ways. Mm-hmm. You could have the ice cream and all that other stuff, or you can be really fit you you just don't get to have both and mm-hmm. it takes a grown up to decide to come along and say hey i'm willing to sacrifice this whole thing for the rest of my life like i'll still have some ice cream here and there boys sure but you get it like i'm willing to get rid of a whole ton of things in my life for this thing over here you look at kobe bryant right. he's a perfect example of this where he's like you know i didn't go on vacations I didn't do all this stuff like mm-hmm. everyone else did. I, I did this discipline. That's I wanted to be the best in the world, and everything got sacrificed for that. And like, what about your friendships? They they died. They suffered. Yeah. Yeah. They're gone. And then after my career was over, I picked some of those back up. Mm-hmm. The real friends stayed. But yeah, we're not the same as we were yeah, because crazy. I did everything. Yep, you gotta and be obsessed. I think at some point you have to decide if you want to be successful in some endeavor. And I think often it is fulfilling in a certain way. There's certain things you don't get to have anymore. Like yeah. I get invited to go duck hunting. I'm like, sorry, big game. I don't have time for anything else. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's my focus. Bow and arrow, big game. That's where I'm at right now. Yeah. You could be well rounded, you could do all those things. But for me, there are certain things that I have painfully cut out of my life because I got to a grown-up point where I, was, I realized I couldn't have it all, and I started to pick and choose the things that I wanted. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with Brad Hunt right now. He's like 31 or something. 
Brad's at this stage where he still thinks, because he's young, that he can have, he can do everything. Mm-hmm. You can't. You get to a point in life where you realize, okay, I always wanted to do this X, Y, th- Z thing, but I will ne- if I want to achieve this goal over here, which is the priority, this won't happen. Mm-hmm. And then you cut it off. And every time you cut those things out and get rid of those things in, in focus of, a, of the thing you really, really want, the things you really, really want, it's like you amputated an arm or yep. a piece, like a dream. That's why I sold my fishing boat, sold all my fishing rods. <laughs> like that was just a hole in the water I dumped money into and just took a lot of my weekends away from me. And I wanted to hunt And it deer. sucks. But at the same time, you know. I had a passion. I want to chase it. Yeah, it, you, you don't get to have both. There are mutually exclusive uh, aspects to the goals you pursue. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think when you're obsessed, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Let's be good. It's been a good conversation. This is going to be a good one. This is, this is gold. This I, f- I cool. feel like we could go on forever, but we've kept you for over <laughs> an hour. So we probably ought to tur- turn you loose and get you some dinner. You're on Utah time, so you're, you're yeah. past dinner. Yeah, you're well past dinner. I know. But uh, it's been great, guys. Yeah, yeah we, we appreciate, we appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I'm motivated to go pound some I know, miles right. in now tonight. Ready to do, I'm ready to do something crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I got here last night. I did 100, 100, 100 burpees in the hotel and 30 handstand push-ups, 100 step-ups, and uh, I think I did, I don't know, some lunges and handstand walks across the hotel, mm-hmm. you know. Through the casino. Um, <laughs> through the yeah, casino. yeah. <laughs> but I feel like uh, all those things, like, Staying consistent, yep. even though you're yeah. traveling, Some even though you're on the things, road. Again, yeah. like there's this obsession. Like I said, you know, um, it takes a lot of discipline to age well, yeah. and um, uh, and you can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I you spend more time. I spend more time rolling and doing soft tissue work and stretching mm-hmm. than I do actually exercising nowadays. But that's where I'm at in life. That's yep. what you have to do. So let's go rip a night hike. I'm ready tomorrow. to feel better and hunt harder. <laughs> Amen. 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 Yes. Uh, use promo code trail. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> use, use promo code Neville. Cut. Promo code Neville. Cut. <laughs> I'm just not even going to compete and I'm going to win. Cut. Oh. Yeah, no doubt. I'm just going to sit in the back and take all you guys' <laughs>